So, Thomas, um, perhaps we can begin with a better sense of your own journey to dialogue. You grew up in Austria. You got a doctorate at the University of Vienna. Your doctoral dissertation was uh, on Heidegger or or drew on Heidegger's work. Mm-hmm. Where 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 would be a good point to pick up on this journey for our purposes today? I mean, maybe this is a good starting point because uh, part of the motivation and the work uh, of my thesis. Was it was not it was not just based on uh, Martin Heidegger. It was also based on Ken Wilber's work, uh, which is a very unusual combination. Uh, and uh, the motive behind was uh, an interest in the coherence between inner and outer development, uh, inner spiritual development and outer social political development. And uh, this kind of uh, uh, integration from the inner and outer is a part of uh, what was also driving this interest uh, in how do we come together. A central starting point, of course, was a, a radical um, spiritual experiment that was part of was the Enlightened Next community that uh, uh, Andrew Cohen, uh, the time spiritual teacher, was leading where we um, were in the beginning of the 90s, uh, in fact, in California first, and then uh, in New England, experimenting how can we go beyond our postmodern self-centeredness in our hyper-individuated psychology that we are so immersed in, and how can we come together in consciousness in something that is... um, beyond that and deeper than that. And we did a lot of collective spiritual practice and this was, in fact, uh, the starting point of this work. And uh, to make it very short, we learned a lot of things, how things can go wrong. And uh, we also had, uh, at least the way how we experienced it, breakthroughs to an experience of something being alive between human beings that's beyond our separate self-sense, but very concrete, very real. It's not just being one with the universe. It's something that has a living quality between present human beings. And this experience um, kind of triggered also my further investigation later on here in Germany, uh, together with my partner, Elizabeth DeBolt, and uh, people around here. How can this be something that is important uh, for our personal development, our collective development, uh, but also, if I may say so, uh, the evolution of culture. Thomas, you began with speaking about the inner and the outer. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, um, what goes with the term inner in this context? My inner awareness of presence, being aware of, uh, right now in this conversation that I am with you, Aftab, that there is a certain uh, relationship between us, there's a friendship, 
there's an excitement uh, of this opportunity to talk. And these are all inner experiences. I also could describe uh, you are sitting in LA, I'm sitting in, in Frankfurt in Germany. We are in a, in a certain political time. We have a certain uh, background in education and whatever. Uh, but there's something that has an inner reality uh, and how does this inner reality and this outer reality uh, integrate to a united reality uh, and how can we not only think that but experience that and live that? This mysterious relationship between the inner and the outer is served through dialogue. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad uh, I'm glad we have begun where we have. What was uh, your experience of the inquiry that became the doctoral dissertation? I mean, in, in the doctoral the doctoral dissertation very much came from at that time uh, usual uh, postmodern psychological Jungian uh, therapeutic understanding of reality and the political consciousness that I had and my a desire to bring this call inner psychological consciousness and political consciousness uh, to something that um, has uh, uh, a unified reality. And uh, at that time, it was just, I think, what, what many of us uh, did in this generation uh, in, in, in many places. It was just uh, uh, one attempt amongst millions, I guess. Um, uh, what I... Uh, found more striking it what came afterwards uh, the realization that uh, the dominant paradigm our psychological paradigm uh, that basically is the paradigm of our times our, our cultural uh, context which allowed us to dive into inner worlds uh, basically starting with the psychological uh, uh, breakthrough in the beginning of the last century with deep uh, psychology, with Freud, with Jung, with James, uh, people like that, that, that this opened something up in, in society that, that allowed us, in difference to the generation before, to have an inner sense of reality. That was an, a tremendous breakthrough, but it also had a hyper-individual limitation. So in uh, the inner world was uh, perceived through... Uh, a paradigm of uh, individuality that has its uh, uh, its necessity because there's a lot of truth to that, but it also, uh, if just to cut it very short, has a lot to do with the narcissistic reality of our times, where we are very incapable to see beyond self-reference because everything is basically very much related in this psychological self-referencing. How does this relate to my inner personal experience, uh, which, uh, again, is important, uh, a breakthrough, but a limitation. And I think the dialogical approach is an approach to respond to that. One other way to, to talk about the same thing, one of the breakthroughs uh, of our times is the mindfulness revolution. And uh, one can talk a lot about what the mindfulness revolution brought. Uh, just 15 years ago, mindfulness was a fringe uh, uh, happening on some esoteric New Age outsides. Now it's, it's, it's center stage 
in business, uh, in, 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 in many uh, uh, parts of society. Uh, there is something where our usual subject-object relationship uh, of reality wants to be uh, counteractive or something uh, that ha has mindfulness. But uh, again, mindfulness is, is embedded very much in this individual uh, perspective of reality. Also, our meditation practices, uh, uh, our therapeutic practices are very much based on that. And uh, what is happening right now, uh, where I see a, a whole um, new um, uh, emerging situation of V-space experiments, collective sense-making experiments, uh, what we said also in the beginning, one could also interp interpret, and I think that is uh, uh, rightfully interpreted this way, as a mindfulness 2.0. Uh, you could call it collective mindfulness. So what we are talking about, dialogue, re-space, um, uh, collective sense-sensing, has a lot to do with collective mindfulness, which is a step further than the mindfulness as we know it. I'm recalling that uh, Freud at one point spoke about, in speaking about uh, childhood primary narcissism. He spoke about His Majesty the Baby. So, mm -hmm. um, so as this self-centeredness decenters, mm -hmm. we become more and more capable of dialogue. Uh, if we could just uh, again return to your own journey as a person, as a learner, as an educator, as a practitioner, on that journey, as an your journey as an intellectual, um, on that journey, at some point, dialogue, the idea and practice of dialogue, becomes important. Where on that journey does that happen, and what is the surrounding context? There are several starting points, but one starting point was uh, this radical experiment in the Latinx community. And in fact, uh, dialogue is a kind of a, um, um, a term that at least could lead to misunderstanding because the, the different ways of dialogue or understanding of dialogue uh, that I find interesting and I, I I'm very interested in making distinctions in dialogue and 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 and, and we spaces because um, dialogue is something that we also can do in a very um, hyper individuated uh, context where uh, I'm fully myself and I uh, am uh, basically aware of your being fully in yourself. And there's something uh, in exchange between this uniqueness of yourselfness and myself, which is a beautiful thing, uh, but uh, it emphasizes again uh, the separate uh, uniqueness and selfness. Um, what um, I'm interested in, and, and maybe dialogue is uh, not the best word to talk about it, uh, but in another way, it is a very, very good way, is that. Uh, uh, when we come together, when we talk as we do right now, uh, this uh, uh, 
in exchange between us holds our uniqueness uh, and this is uh, uh, important and stays so, but there is also something where we are uh, opening up an undivided presence between us and even beyond us we, uh, because our dialogue is embedded in a bigger presence, uh, maybe the presence of our physical surroundings, maybe our cultural surroundings. This is embedded. And there's a, there's a coming together of uh, a wholeness that we, with our sensuality, with our intelligence, can dive into and explore. And uh, there is um, a different form of coming together that goes beyond separation. That is the sweet spot that I find most interesting in this new form of dialogue. There's a whole dimension here of participation and a particular understanding of the participatory nature of thought. Mm -hmm. Can we pick up this connection then between dialogue and thinking? Mm -hmm. There is thinking that we could distinguish as dialogic thinking. I think we have to step back here also uh, and think about what do we mean with thinking. Because uh, our understanding of thinking is also cultured in a very specific modern way where thinking is an uh, object-oriented, rational, calculating process uh, that has a certain understanding of what it is that's, for example, very different than what a medieval thinking was, or very different what uh, uh, ancient Greek thinking was, and even more different uh, what uh, archaic Greek or uh, 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 kind of archaic thinking itself was. It's very interesting that um, when you hear even early Greek thinkers uh, and ask us, so where, where, where do we think? Where is the soul? Uh, uh, usually, uh, uh, those cultures point to the heart, not to the, not to the brain. Uh, so there was something involved in the thinking process uh, that is not just uh, the, the, the brain quality, but uh, uh, you could call it the heart quality. Uh, there's, there's, there's something where thinking and being is not separate. Where thinking is not just an abstract uh, kind of going through the mechanics of logic, uh, but it is an uh, speaking to reality and, and bringing into words our perceptions and trying to create understanding and meaning and reasoning about this. And uh, I find it important when we, when we say, so what's the relationship between dialogue and thinking, that we uh, go uh, beyond uh, uh, the uh, kind of functional uh, technical thinking that we have highly developed in our academic uh, culture, not only academic, also in our business and, and uh, business and science culture as such. Uh, th thinking has to be more to really uh, open up these dimensions. And perhaps for our purposes today, we could distinguish that as transactional thinking, Mm -hmm. and, and dialogic thinking. Mm -hmm. 
And um, so we are thinking together right now, you and I. And um, not only are we thinking together, um, we are speaking. We are speaking our thinking. So we're not writing emails to each other. Mm-hmm. And that there's something um, that goes with speaking thinking where we are also enhanced in that intention by being able to see each other mm-hmm. and see how our speech affects the other and calls out, evokes more speaking thinking from the other. It just brings, as, as you're saying, the multidimensionality of reality into this exchange that we are having. It's not just the exchange of abstracted wording, but uh, this wording is uh, uh, embedded in an awareness of each other in pre-verbal, uh, even if, if we, are, we are meeting uh, on Zoom, we are, we are, we are meeting uh, thousands of miles apart, uh, but we, we are in our shared presence. There's something where very subtle parts of uh, our uh, togetherness uh, respond to each other. And this wholeness is part of the, in the way we, we, we conduct this conversation, how we relate to each other. So that there's much more part of this conversation than just what you can uh, uh, write in, 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 in writing in this way. Yeah, I, I mean, very artful writing can do a lot also, uh, not, not to take away that, but uh, there's something in, 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 in this face-to-face meeting uh, that highlights the, these other dimensions. And also one thing I, I would like to bring to the dialogue, the dialogue, uh, because it, it kind of relates also uh, to uh, what I really like about the idea of dialogue. Because usually the way we use the word dialogue is it's, it's the interaction between two, two people. Uh, that's how it's kind of dialogue, trialogue, and, this, and, and it's fair enough to understand it this way. But dialogue originally... Uh, uh, from the Greek source was meant uh, it comes from Greek theater and it was Logos coming through, Dia Logos and Logos uh, was uh, the Greek word for meaning so uh, uh, Dia Logos is also in a shared process allow, to allow meaning to come through and not the exchange of meaning, but the meaning to come through. So there's something between we are weaving meaning together. There's a rate, of course, it has your part, it has my part, and if other people are part of it, uh, even if you just listen to it, it's, uh, uh, the listening is part of the weaving. Uh, uh, for, the, for the people listening, they are part for themselves in this dialogue. Uh, it's a weaving of meaning, and this weaving of meaning is a unified process, uh, that can be aware of itself. So what we can do in dialogue and what I find so beautiful in dialogue is uh, that we uh, focus on this shared weaving process and see what comes in and look for its beauty, look for its shining, look look for its meaningfulness and don't know together where this shows up. Meaning itself guides us where it wants to go with us. 
your and my challenge today is being dialogic in our inquiry about dialogue. Mm-hmm. So the meta is at a second order. Yeah. Um, I'm also reminded as you were speaking about logos that legain um, refers to a revealing. So we are engaging in an emergent meaning through through a process of revealing that you and I are by necessity surrendering to. That we don't have a specific plan uh, for our conversation. We have some shared intentions. And uh, as our conversation deepens, we can look forward to a revealing that emerges as shared meaning, shared knowing. I agree. And, and then it's interesting. So what is showing up here and why is it showing up? Uh, and, and, and the way I understand it is uh, our shared interest in, uh, let's call it the meaning of dialogue. And uh, one way I understand it, and it seems to resonate uh, uh, with what you are saying, is um, this shared interest in how meaning shows up in dialogue has its own dynamics because I, I would like to understand how meaning unfolds. Being with you, I'm uh, with you with all your backgrounds, everything uh, you stand on as a person, uh, uh, where you come from, who you are, your personality, your, uh, your, your growing up, your culture, uh, and uh, same vice versa. And here we are talking. Uh, what is weaving between us is all our... Uh, kind of backgrounds of understanding of what is meaning. And there's also the, the, the longing, uh, we need to come together uh, as humanity in the end. Uh, uh, but it's also, if we don't want to start to speak in, in, in any kind of setting, we need to come together uh, to create meaning together in order to not uh, go against each other. We ha- uh, In order to, to, to really thrive as humanity, we have to create shared meaning. So uh, if that's the case, uh, 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 this is an opportunity to, to just be open and see where there is a resonance of meaning and work it together. And for example, uh, in our shared interest, what, what is dialogue? Uh, and hearing what you're saying about dialogue, uh, uh, you deepen my understanding of what this is, what we are, what we are doing. And uh, through the conversation that we're having right now, uh, I, I, I I, I deepen my own understanding of what this work is about. It's an ongoing uh, diving into, okay, di- di- dialogue, what, what is this? Uh, in my understanding, it is the openness for meaning to show up and to be open uh, that there's another human being with his heart, with his mind, with his experience. Uh, if, if I listen to you and, and see where we find resonance, a synergy is happening in our understanding that allows us uh, to, to, to weave something that is beyond what I am able to weave on my own. 
so far we've used the phrase shared interests. And as you're speaking, the term caring is emerging, that um, um, there's a mutuality of caring that is driving our conversation, mm-hmm. that our interest in dialogue is rooted in a shared caring for what is happening in the world at this time, mm-hmm. what is happening to democracy at this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting that you bring democracy in because that's where this is mo- most needed right now and, and, and maybe t- uh, to make a point that I, I, I think is important here the caring is most important where I least understand you uh, where, uh, I, I, where we talk and I, uh, I, for me what you're saying doesn't make sense or, uh, or I, I, I even dislike it. I have reactions to it. Uh, uh, and there's all going on. And, and I have this possibility to turn against you and basically uh, 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 change dialogue into, in, into debate or, uh, or even worse. But the care that you uh, are talking about is that all this can be true. All my feelings, I don't understand you, it doesn't make sense, I feel the other is stupid or whatever, uh, maybe all be there, but I care about the fact that we are together in something and I'm, I'm interested to, to understand and, 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 and create understanding. And in this care, a dialogue becomes extremely creative. And interesting enough, exactly at the points where there's the least understanding, if you care enough, the likelihood of creative insights is the highest. Because if we think the same all the time anyway, that is uh, great. We feel, feel fantastic. What a great conversations we had. And you are great and I am great and the talk was great. Uh, all good, but nothing really changed. But, uh, but if, 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 if I don't understand you and you don't understand me, but, but we care for each other and we, we care for the meaning of creating that we are doing, uh, and, and we lean into this discomfort of, ah, that doesn't make sense what the other is saying or whatever, the likelihood that something third breaks open that I haven't thought about and you haven't thought about, but we together in this synergy of our thought process emerges is highest. And that's part of the power of dialogue. And that's so desperately needed in democracy right now because we're experiencing in, in this process of polarization exactly the opposite. We could say that True democracy depends on dialogic inquiry, dialogic practice, mm-hmm. and dialogic capability. Mm-hmm. On your journey, there were likely milestones, turning points, where your dialogic capability took a leap. into more structure, more complexity. Interesting. Two things come to my mind that are on the opposite side of each other. One is the experience of meditation. Because, and that sounds strange, <laughs> talking about dialogue, but 
uh, the, the practice of meditation, uh, at least the way I, I would suggest to understand it, is uh, uh, the, the deep conscious awareness of letting go of everything I know and being fully aware in this not knowing. And this capacity, if I, if I at least have some muscles in that, to, to let go of what I think is true, what is right, and what angers me, and what I love, just letting go, being here, uh, and being present and relaxed, opens up something that allows me to go in, in a different way into dialogue that is not so invested in who I think I am and what I think is true. That this capacity of some being at peace with uh, the mystery of presence. Mindfulness practice in various forms, including sitting meditation, trains attention. And this attentional competency is then available in the service of caring and thinking together about a concern where there is mutual caring. And so all of that would serve democracy when there is this capability of bringing speech, mobilizing speech through a mutual focus on a particular challenge and a particular conflict. Yeah. Now, as you're talking about conflict, um, that, that is also the, the other side of uh, what was very important for my learning in this when I was talking about uh, the capacity of meditation and not knowing and holding the mystery. Uh, and the other side of it that I learned um, uh, uh, also in painful ways is uh, the capacity to uh, uh, stay in uh, multiplicity, let's call it this way. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and to allow uh, uh, that multiplic multiplicity um, does not have to be resolved right away. So when we are talking, for example, just to use again uh, our conversation for sim simplicity case, uh, that we stay in something and I appreciate your otherness. And uh, I don't have, re have to resolve, I don't have to integrate you in my, uh, in, in my context. But I... But I appreciate also in that that we are in, that we are together in something, even if if I can't uh, can't name it, and in that uh, to allow something third to show up. There is a synergetic power in dialogue, where uh, when we allow uh, the differences to be themselves, and. Uh, they don't uh, let us fall apart. We, 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 we don't separate in this. We, 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 even if it's, it's difficult, uh, we, 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 we stick 
to the wholeness of our process and, 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 and to the care for this. Then a synergetic power opens up in this. There's no guarantee for nothing, doesn't need to, but the, the, but the chance that synergy happens where very uh, diverse, uh, conflictual, uh, different perspectives synergize to something that holds together and creates something different uh, is uh, just likely to happen or, or more likely to happen. And part of the art of dialogue is to stay with that and have also the soul maturity, also the interest in in uh, the other and uh, and, and otherness uh, as a whole, things I don't understand, so that um, out of this shared interest, um, we deepen insight. And it's an art uh, that, is, that needs my soul, needs my intellectual uh, intellect, it needs my relationship with you in order to not uh, kind of say, no, I, I don't like it, I, I, I don't understand it, it doesn't make sense, or you trigger some trigger point in myself. The art of dialogue is to, to hold and care for the wholeness of the process in the midst of the turmoil of, uh, of, of conflictual otherness. And this is, I, this is what is dearest to me and where I see the highest potential for dialogue and why dialogue is so crucial also for the development of the democracy as you're talking about. If good dialogue is not being locked into a perspective, mm -hmm. then we could ask ourselves, what is dialogic practice? It's, what is its ability to unlock, to help unlock each other out of the perspectives we get locked into? Mm -hmm. To bring another word in uh, that I think is important here, uh, what we need uh, to develop the, uh, our democracy and culture is a higher capacity for complexity. And I think dialogue helps uh, our capacity to hold higher forms of complexity because we hold all different parts of the, uh, different pieces of, of, of wholeness, let's say. And connecting with you as we are doing right now and, and connecting you, with you at all the levels of uh, caring for each other, caring for the situation, there is an openness to the part of the complexity that you are holding that I am not capable of holding myself. But in my connection with you and in connection with the wholeness of the situation that we are, we are in, uh, there's a capacity to find resonance with parts of reality that otherwise I don't have access to. So the care of the dialogue allows me to open up and resonate with, with parts of complexity that on my own I'm not capable of entering. And what we need in our world, uh, amongst other things, and maybe one of the most crucial things, is our capacity to handle higher forms of complexity. And one, let's call it working hypothesis, uh, is we cannot do this on our own. We need each other for that. There is, a, let's call it distributed 
wisdom. A distributed wisdom uh, happens when I, maybe I have some wisdom, uh, you have wisdom, others have wisdom, when we allow to bring this together and out of care for the dialogical process, allow our wisdoms to synergize and have the sole capacity to do so. Then a wisdom arises that is distributed because it holds all the parts that we are holding, but it also resonates because we resonate as we are talking right now. And this is true in the, in the single conversation as we're having at this moment. But I, I would say it's true also in the, on big scale in, in, in questions of how we hold democracy, how we hold intercultural dialogues, how we create uh, a global future. Capacities to hold all the different uh, paths of complexity that we cannot hold our own. How can we do this? In the, in, through finding forms of finding resonance. And the main form of resonance is, is, is the practice of dialogue. I'm aware, Thomas, that in your work with Elizabeth DeBold and the uh, network, the communities that you and Elizabeth are working in, uh, which uh, is a is a dialogic commons uh, where dialogic practice is deepening, mm-hmm. and it's an example. I'm wondering what you could say that would specify some of the features of this convening that has occurred in your and Elizabeth's work. Some of the features uh, depends on what features uh, we are are talking about. I mean, the work, um, part of the work, and maybe that's the part of the work that you're also pointing to, is intercultural dialogue. And uh, we use also the capacity of the internet and Zoom to bring people together that usually are not uh, uh, in the situation to have personal uh, conversation with each other. And that creates something that creates a, a gateway to other worlds, a mutual gateway to other worlds. Because it's very different uh, to hear about what's going on in other cultures. And other cultures can be uh, uh, white supremacist culture or it can be uh, African uh, 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 traditional culture or <coughs> whatever culture we don't have access to. Uh, when we are able to create contexts where there is a gateway to to each other and where there is the soul capacity and the consciousness capacity to hold this gateway open, something happens between these differences of these worlds. They come together and it's the human connection that brings them together. So the feature um, that I see is in a real relationships that needs a real face-to-face and that can be also via Zoom face-to-face uh, uh, in communities where, where, where you still can talk to each other, where not hundreds of people 
are watching something, but let's say 10 people are talking to each other. It can be 30 people. Something ha is happening that brings different worlds together. And that's a, that's a feature that we, I think, have to develop right now uh, to go beyond our self-centeredness, but also to go beyond our cultural bias through an active practice of dialogical spaces. And uh, I think out of necessity for the, uh, what our world needs, there are a lot of practicing practices opening up. They're trying to attempt to reach this, and there's a lot of knowledge uh, uh, created right now. And what we're doing is one experiment amongst others. The term commons mm -hmm. is typically invoked in relation to natural resources. Mm -hmm. How shall we care for the land? How shall we care for the air, for the water, and so on? And when we connect dialogue with commons, we are still talking about caring for a particular resource. Mm -hmm. And uh, perhaps we could imagine that resource that we are preserving and protecting to have to do with culture and the ways in which culture is the output of collective experience. Mm -hmm. We could also say culture as an output, as a manifestation of collective sense-making. Mm -hmm. And maybe culture being one of uh, the most pristine comments that we have. The culture is who we are as human beings. Because if you understand our humanness, we in our individuality are a particular expression of a commons called culture in all its different facets that we have developed over the last 200,000 years. And when we have an understanding of our humanness, where we can relate to the wholeness and the comments of this. There's one human experience that you also can call human culture that is a, in itself not static. It is an, it's a, it's a process that is evolving that goes through different cultural stages and uh, we can talk about all of this. But it's one multifaceted process that is us. And, and our conversation that we're having right now is just one tiny bit of an expression of this process forming itself. And we can understand our uh, dialogue basically as uh, my consciousness meeting your consciousness, and that's all okay. But if you understand it, uh, yes, it's all true, but we are part of uh, everything that makes us human. And that's a commons that doesn't belong to you, that doesn't belong to me. Uh, we can be in service of that as we are talking right now. Then this conversation is tapping into everything that makes our a conversation possible, including the comments of the English language that we are using right now. That you haven't invented and I haven't invented. It's not my first language. It's not your first language. Uh, uh, and everything that allows us to, 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 to speak here, but also that um, what we are talking for, 
I mean, I, I talk with you uh, just because I, I cherish you very much as a human being and, and, and I cherish our friendship. But our friendship is also uh, an expression of our capacity of humans to be friends with each other. And how can we uh, lift that together? That is a different, uh, there's a different perspective. And then dialogue becomes an expression of a resource called culture, a language, a meaning. Uh, and, uh, and our particular meeting uh, is very much related to these comments. And uh, I, I like this perspective very much because it gives you the depth and the breadth that I think is, is important. And you and I are taking this time today. It's Monday morning in California. It's Monday evening in Frankfurt. We're taking this time because something's at stake, which has to do with the fact that we're in the midst of a cultural crisis, mm -hmm. where there are very few examples. If we go to the newspapers, we go to YouTube and the internet generally, there are very few examples of deep and true dialogue mm -hmm. where understanding is growing and therefore the possibilities of co-creation would grow. In fact, you and I were recently in a meeting uh, in a project we share where co-creation is, is the intention and we are, um, to some degree, struggling in, in, uh, enacting our shared intentions to co-create. So, we're in the midst of a cultural crisis and we become aware when we when we move to co-create, that our dialogic practice and our dialogic capability are at a particular threshold. And that we will need more dialogic capability than we have right now, individually and collectively. Where is our dojo then? to deepen our practice of dialogic? There are many. Uh, and there, there are communities of practice, of dialogical practice in different ways. And they are emerging. And they are uh, also uh, diverse. And the internet also creates a whole new dimension to that because all of a sudden it's very easy to have uh, a deep, uh, heartfelt conversation between Frankfurt and Los Angeles face-to-face. Uh, -face. And that uh, uh, is something that's, that's unbelievable. So people of um, good spirit who, who are longing for this uh, have much easier way to find each other. And there are technologies uh, developing how to do this, and, and, and they're, 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 lear they're learning processes. I mean, what uh, we are doing, Elizabeth and myself, uh, what we call emergent dialogue, is a process 
uh, that tries to develop principles and practice forms uh, uh, that uh, allow to create skills uh, that uh, uh, help people to go beyond their silo identity and open up to the uh, dialogical openness of any situation and uh, and create uh, a gravity shift because there's also there's also a kind of a dynamics to to this when when you are very isolated uh, or in in conflict situation you have a conflict of confrontation or a, com- or a conflict of reasserting identity but when you uh, develop an atmosphere of dialogue there is a vortex of uh, coming together that interesting itself uh, and that's at least how I experience it uh, when it meets uh, when it goes over a threshold uh, a critical point is which it becomes self-sustaining but even uh, people who have difficulties to, to step into the dialogic process uh, are taken by this vortex of, uh, of commun- communality there's something um, emerging that is a supporting force that is helped by people who are caring for dialogical processes. So you put the care into it, but at a certain point, uh, the care gains its own momentum. And it, uh, it, it, it's kind of, it starts to fly. It's at least the sense of it. And is there a map of this journey emerging this uh, journey where individuals and collectives get better and better with emergent dialogue in particular? And that in, in which sense? Where, for example, let's say in a martial arts dojo, mm-hmm. there is a map and which is, enables a developmental hierarchy. Mm-hmm. In, the color of the belt in the dojo to establish there is a practice that particular martial arts practice and it has thresholds of capability so map in that sense so that as we're both in part educators Mm -hmm. and uh, also in various ways uh, we uh, are engaged in the dojo experience. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you have also taught at Meridian University, so we've shared students in that in that way. Is there a way for us to identify the thresholds on this journey? Oh, very, very much so, and uh, we could talk a lot about this. Just a very simple map. Uh, that I find very helpful just uh, for the purpose of uh, uh, investigating what maps are here. Uh, One map, uh, when we look into we spaces, uh, to see that, uh, because everyone thinks a we space, yeah, I know what a we space is, because we we are all in we spaces, and that's true, but uh, to understand a we space is not a we space, uh, I mean, it's not the same thing. And uh, to make one simple uh, distinction, uh, which is a simple map, to make uh, the difference between what I would call a pre-individuated V-space, an individuated V-space, and a trans-individuated V-space. And that they are two different things. 
a pre-individual -individual space, which, for example, uh, we, we have in our indigenous uh, past, all of, uh, all of us, is where, uh, where we so much embedded in, uh, in tribe and nature that one has just rules in that, uh, which is very powerful. It's part of our romantic desire to go back to this. Uh, uh, what we usually don't see that, uh, yes, there is this uh, powerful oneness in this, but there's also no way out. Uh, literally, literally so, because people who leave the tribe die psychologically uh, and, by the way, also economically. So there, there's something, and, and also group think, uh, uh, where basically we don't have our individual capacity to criticize and, and say, wait a moment, I think it differently. Uh, are, are the are their own thing, and a hooligan we is also a form of, of a we. In fact, a very powerful. So, uh, but they are also very positive uh, pre-individual we forms. It's not just hooligan. Uh, so to, to see, this is a we, an individual we spaces uh, where we relate person to person to person to person. I hear you. I hear you. You hear me. It's, it's very powerful. Uh, 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 and it's a we space, but it's very. Interpersonal related to just the I, you, 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 and you relationship and the network and systems of all of this, uh, which is a powerful resource. It has its own dynamic uh, uh, that is powerful that, uh, and it allows me also to say, well, this is me and I, I experience this different than you, and then we can work it out. And this, all what our postmodern culture developed is this is highly individuated resource, and it's powerful. Uh, but it's uh, it's very much related uh, to my separate self-sense and also very much holding on to this and uh, relating to you, to your separate self-sense. And what I would call a, a, a trans-individual space is something where we are aware of wholeness and we are aware of individuation. And as we have the capacity, which I really... I want to say this, we have the, cap the capacity and power for separation that's powerful to say, no, I don't go with this. I, th I think different is not necessarily a bad thing. It's a, it's a powerful uh, individual. It's, since I can take responsibility to see things different way, why way, in my way. But to bring this choice, this individual choice uh, to the recognition of there's also an embedded wholeness that we're in that I freely as an individual, as a highly individual person can choose, creates a very different re-space than a pre-individual re-space or an individual. It's a very different dynamic in this. And just to investigate in the differences and how they unfold and my thinking, the higher capacity of a trans individual re-space is a part of a map that's really worth investigating, look into, I'm just naming it right now, but there's a lot what one could talk about. And there are maps. And in fact, by practicing, we're all learning maps. And uh, it's, it's very important to talk about this. And uh, maybe, I mean, it's maybe a little too rigid, but you could also bring belts to that because it, it, it needs something to, uh, to uh, use your individuality to go beyond it, transcend and include. I'm aware, as you're speaking, Thomas, of the ways in which you're thinking, you're speaking, and caring 
are all coming together, are all uh, are are synergizing. Your thinking, your caring, your speaking, all those dimensions of your being are coming together in a beautiful way, and I'm so glad that you have chosen to care for the world in this way. I think uh, it is our care that uh, creates uh, new worlds, and uh, I, I just appreciate to have this conversation with you because I, I, I just know it's a shared care that we are having, and that, uh, by the way, is uh, very inspiring and very heartening. It is our care that creates new worlds. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Integral Voices is produced by the Center for Transformative Learning at Meridian University. All episodes are available at meridianuniversity.edu forward slash integral voices. For more information about Meridian, including upcoming public courses, other podcasts, and information sessions, visit meridianuniversity.edu. See you next time.